Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Imran. I'm Cole. And I'm Jimmy. Right, welcome. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, everybody. We are coming to you after the New- Nottingham Forest game. And one thing I don't think we do at United Hour is give you a, a picture of where we are. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a work day for me, but I'm taking a bit of time to do uh, to this podcast. I'm just sat in my lounge, nice and comfy, ready to talk about Man United. Jamie, wh- where are you today? Where can we find you? Uh, in my spare room. This is set up as my office as well, but thankfully I'm off. Until the fourth, so nice. A bit of time nice, nice, pro- nice professional place to do a podcast. And and Colm, where whereabouts are you? Where can we find you? I'm in the bath. He's in the bath, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> basically, uh, basically, what happened was we agreed to do this podcast at a time, and I forgot that. And then <laughs> I've had a you know a joyous but very stressful day with my. 18 month old and I got home and got her dispatched to her mother and thought, you know what, time time for some me time, you know, and then Imran texted me about doing a podcast and I just just was just topping up the bath full of bubbles and just thought, <laughs> well, I can't waste a bath full of water. No, and um, I mean, there, there are all the health and safety implications involved with, you know, electronics and bath, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that aside. We'll, we'll, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've got it all covered, but it's just a mental image that we need everyone to have, I think. Well, of the bubbles are covering bath. my decency, so. Oh, that's, that's good. We're, uh, we, are, we are doing this on Zoom, but all the cameras are turned off. Uh, well, unfo- <laughs> unfortunately or unfortunately, we'll, we'll let the listener decide. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, um, onto the football, and we beat Nottingham Forest yesterday 3-0. Our first 3-0 win in quite some time, a very comfortable win. Although I swear at times in the second half we were trying to make it about as uncomfortable as we could for ourselves, but Nottingham Forest refused uh, to accept the the gift that we were giving, the, the Christmas gift that we were trying to get them into the game and they just didn't want to. So in the end, 3-0, nice and comfortable. Uh, Colm, we'll start with you in the bath. Uh, how, what was your big takeaways from the game? Uh, I was just, first of all, I was really glad that the Premier League's back. Um, I I enjoyed the World Cup, but not a fraction of the amount that you enjoyed the World Cup, Imran. I don't think I've ever yet met someone more buzzed about <laughs> international football, and particularly an English fan. Um, so I, I know it. that was probably crushing, but just your general joy at every part of the World Cup process was uh, like the wonderment of a child, um, which was nice to see. I didn't really share it, so I was kind of like keeping an eye, watching quite a lot of games, but I just want the Premier League to come back, so I'm delighted the United are back and playing football. I was so ready and so excited to watch United play and be probably very disappointed at what we turned out. And actually, I was really pleased. Oh, I didn't have to be disappointed at all, really, because um, we were really good. Nottingham Forest were really bad. In terms of a, a re-entry to Premier League football, you really couldn't ask for better games here, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I thought we looked slick. I thought we looked like the Ronaldo hangover was gone. I just thought um, it was an eminently comfortable easy watch to the point Imran where it was almost a bit boring mm, I, I, I can see that um Jamie uh same question to you um but also just throwing how much would you read into this result considering Forest were quite terrible um I thought the result was very good I thought the, the performance was very good in truth um a bit like calm very happy to see United back but at the same time was a wee bit apprehensive as to Certainly how we were going to start, just with it being so long since we've played. I know we played against Burnley last week in the League Cup, um, but 
this being the proper first game back in the Premier League, I was just a wee bit apprehensive. But even from the start, I thought it was just very comfortable, really. Um, the only gripe I have at all with the game is it, it, it should have been three a lot sooner, and it actually should have been probably about four or five, just because we, mm. we did play really well and made some really good chances. And I was very pleased with that. And I know what you mean. How much can you read into it? Because Forest aren't that great, really. And I know I know what you're saying about that. Like, you know, we kept kind of offering them chances, but even then, you know, they scored they scored the VAR disallowed goal. Well, it was going wide anyway. Do you know what I mean? It's like Yates' header is going wide until it hits the guy who's standing offside. I don't know why they took so long to even confirm that. That should have been confirmed a lot sooner. The chances in the second half were kind of half chances and we did let them kind of maraud forward a little bit, but I, I genuinely thought we were totally in control and we should have won by a lot more. Reading into it, I just think we do have players to come back. I know the likes of Varane and Bruno and Rashford and Martial were playing, but, you know, we looked short of playing at, set, at centre-half. Um wan getting a run out, things like that. We've still got players to come back as well, so I just thought it was very encouraging for the players that did play, for some of the fringe players to get a run out and just think we're actually going to get stronger from here with other guys, key players coming back in as well. Mm, it was a, a makeshift, makeshift back four. Uh, the rest of the team pretty much picks itself this point, Casemiro, Eriksen, Bruno, Anthony Marshall and Rashford, who actually... Got to start together for the first time, I think it was, the, f- the first three, or definitely not start together too many times. Um, but it was mainly at the back that everyone was a bit worried looking at the, t- the starting lineup. Um, Colm, when you saw Shaw and Brown, were you worried or you thought, nah, Luke Shaw's a, a super yeah, footballer it, and he'll do a job? I was a little worried when I heard the reports. When I actually saw the team sheet, I was I was happy enough um, because, you know, Wampak is a bit of a nightmare, but he's solid enough you know you kind of know the kinds of mistakes that he's going to make and I didn't think Nottingham Forest front line with Jesse Lingard in it was going to be too difficult or pose those kind of questions that he would really suffer from and um, in terms of Luke Shaw I mean I play Luke Shaw at centre back every day of the week really and particularly in a game where you're going to dominate the ball I think it's even better you know I think and I don't want to do a disservice to Lind- uh, Lindelof here but I think Luke Shaw is probably a better centre-back than Lindelof and I appreciate I have a very small sample size to work off there um, most of which he's played at a back three but he's just he was just top class yesterday he, he did kind of play like a left centre-back of a back three you know rather than a pure centre-back but like he was stepping in midfield winning the ball had the pitch you know quite dominant early um, it just looked like Martinez was there to be quite honest um, so I think if it was another team, it, it, it could have been a, a big banana skin. But, like, I mean, Varane was top class. I mean, I, yeah. he probably still needs a week off, you know, as kind of uh, Ten Hag said at the start, that it was a bit of a a, a last kind of option to start him. And, and actually Varane said, no, I look, I'll step up and play kind of thing because we don't really have anyone else. Um, you know, showing his kind of leadership uh over Harry Maguire, I'd say, but um, no, I thought it was. I thought it was. It was just. I wasn't too concerned as soon as the match started. You know, even when the disallowed goal went in before it got disallowed, because I wasn't aware it was offside. I thought it was going to be given, and um, I still wasn't really that bothered because it just felt like if we had to, we would score more goals. And I think we just kind of, we we were kind of letting them have chances because they weren't a threat, if you know what I mean. And it was just the the, the players were just really comfortable, to be honest. Mm. I think uh, Luke Shaw for me, if, you, if we put him anyway, he'd probably be in our two, two or three top position players in that position. Yeah, um, he is it's a, touch a fabulous feet, You know, but like some of the passes, oh. there was one he slipped uh, Garnacho in, um, just with an absolute wreck of a ball along the floor that kind of split the defence, um, and Garnacho just couldn't yeah, who... quite get into it. But like his passing range was phenomenal. Lots of switches of play to um, Anthony and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I just thought he, he looked really good there. I thought his reading um, of the game was very good last night as well. He started, as Colm said, he, there was times where he was stepping forward and even if it was like a tactical foul on the halfway line, he's clever enough to do that. Clever enough to step in when he needs to. Some of the passing was great. I, I was impressed with him, the centre half. And while, yeah, if you're going to go up against the more physical team with a better number nine, that's not the way to go. But certainly in games like this where you're going to dominate most of the ball, especially at home, against teams that, maybe aren't going to be able to fashion too many chances other than set pieces. I'd be totally comfortable with him playing that role again. Mm. Mm. 
I like I say he's a supreme footballer, and I th- especially this season, he's just shown that when he's on and when he's bothered, he's there are a few better than him in our squad, and uh, it shows. And a word on Varane as well. Uh, World Cup final literally last weekend. Yeah. Um, come back raising a game for Forest at home, and I mean it has been a bit of a joke after the World Cup. Like, oh, how who who's going to be able to go back to play against Nottingham Forest after playing in the World Cup final? But he has done it, and. The professionalism there—it's it, something to be admired. I think. I think there's there are players who'd be like, "Oh, I can't be asked for this shit." But so I think he's top class. Him. I mean, I, I assume yeah. um, Martinez is, is still going to be like suffering the hangover of a lifetime um, in Argentina somewhere. But like Varane is just, particularly. I thought the first thirty or forty minutes when it actually was a bit of a game, really up until the thirty-fifth minute when we scored a second goal, he just won everything. But not just that; like he made it look easy. You know, it was like he was just mugging people off with the challenges and and really kind of decisive about everything he was doing as well and he's just I mean he stays fit you know if well I mean generally if our team stays fit I think top four should be well 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 within reach yeah well we'll get we'll get to our what we think we're expecting for the second half season towards the end of the podcast but um so we did score fairly early on I think it was around 20th minute um Rashford an actual set piece routine I can't remember the last time we scored a set piece routine to be honest with you um Maybe post goals at Bradford. I don't know. Um, but it was a lovely goal. Uh, Christian Eriksen into Rashford. Very simple. T- the Teddy Sheringham corner of old. Uh, exactly. Jamie, lovely finish. Yeah, tremendous finish. Um, I just thought the whole the whole goal itself, everything from the dummy run from Varane, the Martial holding the defender in place at the front post, the pass from Eriksen, the finish from Rashford, everything was excellent. As you said, it was just it was really nice to see a goal like that has clearly been worked on in the train, training ground a lot. Actually, come to fruition in a game. Um, it, it just seemed as though Varane just seemed to distract two or three players where he makes he makes half a run forward and then it's almost as if he runs into the area where Rashford's going to run into. So he changes direction and runs kind of back towards the goal. That takes two or three defenders right out the road and kind of they go with him. As I said, Martial's holding the man at the front post, not letting him move. And the run from Rashford's excellent. And that kind of finish, I think, is is bloody difficult where you can't really put your foot through it. You just have to kind of steer it in the general direction of the goal because, you know, the whole whole pace of that is coming off the pass from Eriksen, which was absolutely pinpointing as well. And he just just caresses it into the far court. It's a brilliant goal. Really good finish Mm. and just well worked. Yeah, so the Marshall holding thing was interesting because it really goes. It, it showed me a lot like what a defender's priority is at a corner because, yeah, he's holding his man, but his man has zero intention of going anywhere because yeah, he's he also he, holding Marshall. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, not he's even bothered about yeah. going to that space. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it just just shows the priority of where they're at. They're at the the man is. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure my man stops running, but I'm not even gonna bother about defending any space. And yeah, we just exploited it really well. Um, Rashford, fifth goal, sixth goal in the Premier League. Uh, Eleven in all competitions. Calm. Is there anything better as a United fan than seeing Rashford with a smile on his face and scoring goals? Um, do you know what? There's quite a lot of things about being a United fan at the moment that are quite fun. Um, there's quite a lot of characters across the pitch that give me um, quite a lot of joy, um, which is in stark contrast to the last few years. So it's just one of many things that makes me really happy. I do kind of think this whole... All we hear now is about Rashford smiling, happy, better football, mental health. And I've I've never before in my life, you know, heard that much of a narrative around it. And you know, on the one hand, it definitely is a good thing, but also it's like, can we not? You know, just it can it not constantly be about his general level of happiness and how that reflects on his football. Do you know what I mean? Like he should just be able to play football at a certain level in a certain way, do you know what I mean? Like I do think the narrative's getting a little bit dominant now, do you know what I mean? That it's all you hear, it's all anyone says in any commentary, in any halftime show, in any anything. It's just all about, you know, essentially Marcus Rashford's level of happiness with his life, do you know what I mean? And it's all so speculative, you know? And I, I definitely, there's something in it at a point. You know, he definitely was down and in poor form. But like, that happens to tons of players all the time. And sometimes it is a mental thing. Sometimes it's, it's 18 other things, do you know what I mean? So I'm kind of getting a bit fed up with that narrative. What I'm not getting fed up with is how good he's playing football. And I particularly love that uh, Eric Ten Hag seems to have really kind of picked him out for some kind of love and nurturing and development. And he said after the game, you know, 
um, something like, oh, you know, Marcus just has such a lovely smile. And, uh, you know, even he's saying it, but it's, it does have a very wide, infectious kind of smile. And Ten Hag was sort of like, oh, you know, it's so nice. Oh, you know, I want to see him do that more. And then he also said, by the way, I think he should score 20 goals in the season, in the league, every season, basically. Um, which is, you know, a pretty high bar to get to and would certainly be an extremely good return um, for Rashford. Um, but yeah, I mean, great goal. Literally, as I, well as Ericsson was about to take a free kick, I was like, I was watching the match with my brother and I said, oh, here's another one of our class short corner routines um, that we've been doing all season. And then even as he hit the ball into the box, I was like, oh, yeah, I've watched this. Expecting it, obviously, to be, you know, another one that didn't really come off. But, I mean, to see stuff like that is so good, particularly after a big break where you, you feel like people have been working on things or it's allowed kind of time for the more tactical sessions that they would be doing at Carrington. Um, so you heard it here first, everyone. Colm wants Rashford to be unhappy, miserable. Also scoring goals at the same time. Also scoring goals at the same time. As long as he's scoring goals, you don't care how happy he is. Tell me another person where we've made such... Like like the general media fans, other team fans, England, you know, have made such a big focus on that one person's mental health and how it pertains to their level of performance. Like, I've never seen it before and I don't know if it's if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, no one has a problem with Martial being miserable and scoring goals. Well, exactly, he just every uh, time he's just booty, you know. <laughs> like, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, and then we got a uh, so love to go from Rashford and not not to dwell on England, but I'm going to do a bit of England talk now uh, because there was a lot of talk after the World Cup about how Rashford came on for Wales, scored, not came on, came into the sign lineup for Wales, scored two goals, and then didn't really. Well, well, he didn't start again, and then that game against France came on for the last ten minutes, and it. At the time, I was like, fair enough, like, Southgate's trying to manage the team, whatever. but the more you think about it afterwards, the more it boggles the mind that he didn't get more minutes in Qatar, and especially in that game against France, to call and come on for the last 5-10 when we need a goal and he's banging form and you're bringing on Sterling instead. bit ridiculous. Um, so I've got kind of done a 180 on that. That's my England talk done. Sorry. Uh, we would have won the World Cup, is what I'm saying, if Rashford <laughs> had uh, played a bit longer. That's what I'm saying. Um but anyway, yes, uh, back to United. We scored, a, we scored a second quickly after. Nice two-goal solve, and that kind of was the game then. Uh, nice for us to put it to bed quite early on. Uh, starts with a crunching tackle from Casemiro, who was just incredible in this game. Uh, it absolutely boggles my mind that Casemiro plays football for us. Uh, I don't understand it. I don't know what he's doing here. At some point, I think he's like he's going to wake up and realise that he's with us. But until that time, I'm very happy. Um, Jamie, was Casemiro your man of the match? By a mile. By an absolute mile. Best player on the pitch. And I'm kind of losing count with how many times I see that. Not even just watching us. Watching him play for Brazil in the World Cup. There were so many times you were just watching him going, he plays for us. I actually can't quite compute the fact that he... Still, like, still I can't quite compute that he plays for us still because it, it it's so night and day watching him play for us even for this third of a season or whatever it is compared to the previous five or six years and I, I quite like Matic but it was just painfully obviously Matic was past it really by the time he signed for us this time we actually have a genuine world class player in midfield who's in his prime he, he's awesome absolutely awesome and as you said, starts it off with an absolutely crunching tackle in the left-back position. Just a brilliant tackle. And it's one of those as well. It's not just a tackle where, you know, the ball goes anywhere. It's like a tackle that in the same time as he tackles, the player passes it outside to another one of our players and gets his going. And it didn't just happen in that goal. It happened all game. Stepping into the gap when he, when he read that he would get there first. It's totally unpanicked. So many slide tackles that are just so well-timed that it's not even going to be, you know, one of these potentially dodgy collisions with a player where, you know, you might get a booking or a red card. Everything's measured, controlled, just dictates everything in midfield. Like, honestly, it's, it's, it's unbelievable that we've went from not having that at all to we actually have the best one in the world mm. playing for us, doing it every single game. It's... It's just class to watch him, it really is. Yeah, we, we've gone from not having one to genuinely a world-class article. Uh, Colm, have you, has he surprised you at all? I, I know a lot of people were saying, oh, he's a destroyer. And I thought, like, oh, come on now, he can pass a bit. But even I have been a bit surprised by how, how good he is on the ball. 
way higher, way higher than I thought it was going to be the quality of the pass. I mean, the pass for Fred is a wide Brilliant. pass. I mean, Fred is so far wide. He's nearly outside the penalty box, I think. And it's just like it cuts through like four or five players. Like it's De Bruyne-esque. And, you know, that was just all game in all different areas of the pitch. There was one that he received off um, a defender. I think it might have been Armand Masako when we were getting pressed a bit. And he just kind of, on the first touch, just scooped it out um, to Anthony, I think. And it was just, again, a pass that you just thought that. Like he knew he was playing that pass before he went and got the ball, which is what you want from your midfielder. And I think he's genuinely, you know, I read something this morning that said he's the the best defensive midfielder in the league. And I don't know if it's just cut and dry, but he's certainly in the conversation, like top three, you know, and it's very well, it's much... It's him or, or Rodri, isn't it? Yeah, possibly Declan Rice, I would say. I still think he's he's super good and a bit underrated this year because West Ham aren't doing amazing, but um, certainly, certainly up there. Um, and it's just so good. The other thing, really, I just love so much because so many of our players don't seem to be able to do this. See, when he wins a header, he headers it to someone. Like, even if it's a difficult position, yeah, even if it's a contested absolutely. header, even if the ball's flying at him, he will pick out someone with his header. It'll go to Shaw or it'll be played somewhere. So many times, particularly High Maguire, I just see these headers. And Scott McTominay's alone wins a lot of headers, doesn't necessarily direct them. You know, they're just getting headed up or out or away or down the pitch. And it's so, you're essentially just adding to the scrappiness of the game and more often than not giving the ball back. And every, even in a difficult, you know, kind of pressured situation, He's always finding a man. He's always calming things down and slowing it down when it needs done. And I'm really surprised. The question I asked my brother and I were talking about last night after the match was, how long do you think this goes for? Like, I think he'll be, I don't think, I don't see a big drop off next year. You know, I don't see, no, I don't see that being, you know, off a cliff face. I think possibly the year after that, you're pushing it. But like, he looks in supreme form and fitness. I think we'll get a good, solid two, three years out of him. Obviously, at some point he will. He will dip because you know age and shit. But I think like we're gonna. Well, I think we'll get we'll get our money's worth out of him. I mean, we already are getting it anyway. And I think if we give it a two or three seasons of this, you can't really argue because he is a, literally a one man midfield uh, at times, and it's it's a joy to watch. Um, just to round off that goal, I mean, there's a lot of good things about the goal actually, from the tackle to Bruno's pass to Rashford, who first touch immaculate, chop inside, brilliant. Um, just a quick thing on Rashford. I don't think in our team there is a person who is better against lesser opposition than Marcus Rashford. Not to say he's not good against top opposition too, because he is. But when when the poorer player but when the poorer teams come around, Rashford really ups his get like he shows the level of difference between him and them. And he did it against uh, Burnley as well. Just like he just there's a massive chasm between him and them and he really he really flaunts it and it's good to see. But um anyway, pass it to Marshall. Goal. Absolutely terrible keeping and um I'm calm as as our resident goalkeeping expert, what did you make of that? Yeah, I mean did you hear Alan Shearer trying to say, like, oh, it was a really good strike or it wasn't the keeper's fault? I mean, yeah. like, uh, what yeah. on earth Bizarre. was he talking about? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think potentially every other goalkeeper in the football English pyramid saves that. It's 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 awful. It is really awful. And there was the whole thing. He was stepping to the left. I didn't really see that, to be honest. I just saw a, a, a very mediocre strike very close he could have stuck a leg out and saved it it wasn't it was like within a meter of him if you know what i mean and um, so i think that's almost his, his issue is he's tried to go down with his hands although i still think he should be able to get there and put it away um and hold it like it's just bad i mean he's had he's had a bad month or two you know he actually played pretty well after that he, he made some good saves you know the one from anthony isn't a bad save and um, he had i think another one from rashford maybe um but i mean to me that's I didn't think Marshall should take it first time. It's a it's a it's a decent effort, but I don't think it's the best thing he could have done in that situation, if you know what I mean. Um and certainly when he did it, he didn't get a great connection, didn't get into the corner. Um but it was a lovely move. It was a great goal in the end, but I mean you have to look at the keeper like that's that should be saved like ninety nine times out of hundred. The term Poppadomrist comes to mind. As yeah. the alternative Man United commentary guy says. It was yeah, honest. But... It was shocking. It was so bad. Like if I, if I'm playing seven aside and somebody concedes that, you are fuming. Yeah, you're you're disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> well, not if you're Alan Shearer. Um, we'll take a quick break now, and then when we come back, we'll talk about strikers for a little bit, and then we'll round off this game. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back. Uh, so yeah, Martial started up front. Um, he is our number one striker at the moment. He's probably our number two, number three, number four striker because then he's our only striker. I mean, we have Rashford to, to come in there as well, but really we all want him on the left. So it's a bit of a, a, a dearth up there. Um, Marsh, how do you feel Martial did in this game, Jamie? Are you feeling confident about half season with just Martial at the moment? Um, I wouldn't go that far. I thought he played okay last night. We are so much better having him up front than what we did with Ronaldo, I will say that. We're so much more fluid and we can bring a lot more players into the team, into, into play rather is what I meant to say and we do benefit from that. Sometimes I just you just want to see him a little bit more a little bit more involved around the box because um, there was two or three times just towards half time last night in particular where he goes wide, receives the ball from Anthony, plays a one-two, kind of goes back towards the edge of the box, and then stays out wide with the players and just things like that. You're like, just just move back into the box a little bit, just kind of give us that presence in there. Um, but he did have the chance second half. Um, I think it was between Anthony's and Rashford's because Hennessy did make uh, two or three good saves, as Combs alluded to, and. So he could have easily had a second goal. Had some good passes in him as well. And I think just coming off with whatever it was, half an hour, 25 minutes to the left, is Ten Hag just being sensible and just managing his fitness at this point because it's been a wretched first half of the season with, with regards to injuries for him. So hopefully he can stay fit. But that really is the problem, isn't it? You can't hang your hat on him being available for even I would say three months of the running that, that I may be wrong and he might play the rest of the season but looking at his track record looking at the first half of the season it's just numerous muscle injuries or just there's, there's just too many and I think we do have the squad now to really make an assault on the top four probably look at getting it to at least one final, I suppose, in, in the trophies that we're still in. But, again, you're hanging your hat on him being available, being fit, and playing like he did last night, and better than that, to really get us going. And I'm just, I'm not sure that's something we can rely on at the moment. Yeah, it's... Uh... A bit of a worry, I would say. I'm I'm quite worried about it. Um, one place we won't be signing is obviously Cody Gakpo. He has now gone to Liverpool or will be going to Liverpool. Colm, mm-hmm. are you bothered by that news? Um, or are you just whatever? I mean, as long as we get a striker, I, I will be. Bo- I will be bothered if he turns out to be class. Um, at the <laughs> moment, I have no idea if he will be or not, so it's hard for me to get bothered. I think. Um, it's a bit odd that you know we clearly had interest in the summer. It didn't materialise just due to timings and not being able to get rid of, rid of Ronaldo. I think um, he shares Eric Ten Hag's agent. Eric Ten Hag's just come from that league, so they'll probably you know know of each other at the very least. Um, you know he kind of flirted with us a bit in a few interviews, and it seemed like we were resuming that interest here going into January, following um, a very good World Cup showing for him, and I think a very average and underwhelming uh Netherlands team and then like you know yesterday happens and Liverpool sign him so that's cool um it's a bit weird I think he's a left winger not a striker um so that part of it makes me not that unhappy I want an out and out striker um you know 
if you were getting him as a stopgap striker and ultimately wanting him as a left winger down the line, that's not a bad thing. But we are pretty stacked in that position. Um, so it's it's not the worst thing in the world. It's just that there's so few other options out there that you kind of feel like you have missed one of the affordable ones. The price seems extremely good. You know, it's just a bit of a snip more than we got um, Donny for, you know, which, you know, seems like pittance really in this market. Um but I also think Liverpool's approach is a bit odd these days, you know, since there's been changes in their hierarchy and how they go about buying players. And I think they're very much committed to spending certain amounts of money and getting certain deal done, deals done when they can. You know, like us, I think they're, you know, potentially going through a sale and then you wonder where and when the money is coming. Um, so I think they maybe just went with a bit of urgency and felt that they had to get this one done now, although I don't think they need a left winger very much either. Um so it'll be interesting. I'm keen to see him play. Hopefully we won't regret it. It's a little odd. I'd like to know more about what went on, how interested we actually were, how much we were pushing the envelope or whether we were sat in our heels or whether, in fact, we decided, you know what, we're just not really sure we need this guy right now and therefore he's went with the firmer interest. But I'd like to know the actual truth of the matter as opposed to the kind of... The instant speculation is, oh, United are so bad at this. And that could absolutely be the truth, but... It's it just, you know, it obviously doesn't read great on, on the facts that we have available at the moment, but I'm, I'm happy to wait and see what the crack is really at the when the dust settles. Yeah, with, as always with these things, it's very much a wait and see kind of thing. If we finish the the January window without bringing anyone in out, I will be disappointed. Uh, I know you will be, Jamie, as our resident Muppet. Uh, if, you don't, if we don't make at least five signings every three weeks, you'll be upset. But um, which I'm sure you're just hoping for one. Um, we've had well it's been the the words coming out of the club are that it's going to be a, a stop gap uh alone as opposed to buying someone permanently because of funds available and the fact that we spent loads in the summer that's what a lot of people are reporting um kind of would make sense i guess with the sale as well and the fact that glazers are a bit tight so with that in mind jamie who would you actually are there anybody on your muppet list who you'd like to see come in what 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 do you see happening in the next few weeks um i think it will be a stop gap signing and uh, I think it probably will be a loan signing just because I think the uncertainty around the club with regards to the potential sale, potential investment having to come in, the money that was outlaid for players in summer clearly seems to be having an effect and this is my rational self-talking where yeah I could see just one one player coming in as a stopgap up front and that could be somebody like the one the name that keeps coming up even through the World Cup and even as recent as this morning is Joe Felix from Madrid because it seems like there is a very clear issue between Felix and Simeone at Atletico Madrid and Atletico Madrid are going to stick with Simeone um, obviously they've got loyalty to him for what he's done for the club for what he's made them in the last 10 years and Felix doesn't seem to be what he wants up front that's why he's constantly on the bench that's why he's constantly not playing through the middle up front he's maybe only playing every so often there which is why he's looking for the move but I think the stumbling block there would be not just the loan fee which is rumoured to be about six or seven million. Madrid are then wanting whoever takes him on loan and pays full wages, and obviously he's, I can't even remember what it is off the top of my head, but the eventual amount would be another six or seven million. So then you're potentially looking at a loan signing for five months, six months, that ends up costing you 12 or 13 million pounds. And I'm not sure the club would outlay for that. Um, the other name that I've seen is Depay. I don't yeah, I know. think he's the one who's going to come in. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, it's going I, to be Depay. I'm torn, though. I'm really torn over, is that real? And we are actually interested because two or three weeks ago, the name that the, the club he was being linked with was Newcastle because Newcastle were looking to make a bit of a statement signing in January and kind of push forward for the top four. And they know themselves with the likes of Wilson, who is a good player, but just can't stay fit. And we'll see how Almiron does if he keeps going on this absolutely unbelievable streak of form, if he keeps it up. But I think they, they Newcastle feel they need more 
support up front, so they've been linked with the pie. So I don't know if our names come in suddenly just to make Newcastle kind of go for it and take them on a free in January, or if we are actually are interested. The Muppet in me wants to see, as you said, three, four signings in January, but it's it's not possible. I mean, I would sign uh, the boy from poor, uh, not Porto, Benfica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who scored a hat trick for Portugal. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was, yeah. I was really impressed with him, and I just thought when he was playing, I just thought Portugal aren't really. After that game, he scores a hat trick, and then play him again in the following game against, I think it was Morocco. They just they didn't give him any service. There was no, there was no real chances they were trying to help make for him, and he seems like a proper striker. And I would be willing to take a punt on him because, again, just watching the game last night and watching his other points this season, we play such good football, we make so many chances, but we we need a forward. We need a number nine. Uh, just quickly on Gagpo, I'm, I went from, yeah, really disappointed to not getting him. But then I watched him being of a Rangers affinity. I watched him against Rangers for PSV twice. Wasn't that impressed. Really, yeah. in those games, and then watched them for Holland and while he sc- eh, for sorry from the Netherlands, and while he scored, and played well at times. Other times, I just thought you're a bit lightweight, mate. You, you don't really. He's a big, tall guy, but doesn't really, doesn't really use his physicality at all. Doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't really seem like he's a he's a forward. He's a left. He's a right footed, left sided player. And my God, we've already got however many of them. So I went from yeah, I'm disappointed to actually no, I'm not that. I'm not as disappointed, and I'm confused as why Liverpool have bought him because they've got so many of that player as well that I'm like Liverpool must be planning to sell or let go Firmino, Jota, whoever, because they're buying another player that they've already got in that position. So. Even, as Colm says, some of the headlines are already doing the rounds we've been gazumped for, whoever. I'm not so sure about that, because as much as Ten Hag might have wanted them, we've already got loads of players like that. We would need to start selling some players, and he isn't what we need, in my opinion, at the moment. We need a forward. And as much as he might have helped, I really don't think he's the striker that we would have needed. Mm. And that's transfer window done. We can never talk about transfers again. <laughs> it's over. Right. Uh, back back to the game, actually. And one thing you did touch upon was our... Um, probably, I'm going to start again. One thing we did touch upon, we did touch upon was our um, lack of quality in front of goal. And we did spurn a few chances in the second half. Um, we do need to be more clinical. Uh, that was a big talk point after the game. Ten Hag said himself said, so we need to be more clinical. Colm? Do you think it'll happen just as if, if we just keep creating the chances, it won't be a problem? Or do yeah, you worry I mean, that we don't yeah. have personnel to no, be more clinical? I mean, we definitely don't have like a clinical out and out striker, but what we do have is goals from lots of different places. Um, hopefully now moving forward, which is good. You know, I mean, Anthony missed an extremely, I think, easy chance. I think he goes to the wrong side of the net entirely and um, gives Hennessy more of a chance. Um, which was a shame, and then there was a few misses after that. You know, none of our strikers are prolific whatsoever. However, the chance creation now seems very good, very good. So I'm not too concerned. I mean, that I think we will kind of live and die on on putting away chances in terms of the rest of the season and how we fare. Um, but I also think that's an interesting test that needs to be played out. Do you know what I mean? I think, you know, there's no obvious signing in January, you know, maybe Joao Felix is the one that stands out. I, I also question whether we really need a false nine of his ilk, although he's the kind of player you probably just take because he's top quality. But it's not like if you were making a player, he's not the player you'd make. Do you know what I mean? Um, hmm. Even then in the summer, it's quite difficult. I appreciate I've just launched straight back into transfers, but it's part of the answer. Um, even in the summer, it's not clear who you're going for, who that player is in word football. You know, there's a bit of a, a doubt about that. So I'm more than happy, hopefully, to get a body in January, though I really think the club's going to struggle to find anyone kind of remotely suitable that will make any kind of positive impact, because there's no point getting someone who's going to be useless if you stick them on. Otherwise, you may as well just play McNeil or someone. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that really, there is a level below which you just probably shouldn't bother. Um, However, what I am kind of happy enough with is that I think it gives 
our front players enough time to stake claims essentially and to kind of put it out the table and that's for the like of Anthony that's absolutely for Martial that's for Bruno who needs to come back in with more goals even though he is playing well that is for Rashford to carry on his fine form and then you have Jade Sancho Garnacho, and players like that so there's enough there that you just need some of them to step up take the chances and you know if it's always Rashford it's always Rashford and then you find your answer do you know what I mean not to say he should be our number nine but you're gonna you're going to find out in the rest of the season because they are all going to get minutes, you know, who's reliable, who is good, who can handle it. Um, so I think that'll be good for all those players. And I think a lot of those players, you know, particularly the likes of your Rashfords, your Martials and your Sancho's, you kind of need to know because we can't really, less OG and Sancho is a total debate on his own, you know, at the moment with regards to what is happening with his Manchester United career. But you need to know at a certain point, do you know what I mean? Like, are you going to be a player for us? Can you be relied on? Are you going to put up the numbers that a consistently top four challenging Champions League team needs and that kind of productivity? And if you're not, then yeah, okay, maybe we are going to go and sign other players in those positions because you've been kind of, you've been proven to kind of not do it. So I just don't really see who the person is who's going to fix that problem for us. I'm quite happy just to let the players that we have have you know free reign we're playing a very creative fluid system so there shouldn't be any excuses you know there will be chances as there was yesterday yesterday enough of them were taken and you know fred comes on to put the ice on the cake which is fine the other misses were frustrating but i think on other days they go fine you know it's not like someone missed four or five six chances everyone kind of missed one um which is fine we'll see how it goes and but i mean the base of the team the midfield and like that team the sort of front six i was like this is so good this is a good proper good team you know so i'm kind of happy with what it is and i just want to see how those players then go and do mm. um i think the, the the big lesson from the game for me was uh if you want a job done right bring fred on <laughs> he'll do it he'll do he'll, he'll do it for you he was sat on the bench thinking i can score that he did that is if we get our squad fit now the likes of fred mctominay are impact players as they always should have been now that's probably a wee bit harsh on fred he can start some games if we ever want to give erickson a rest by the way the amount of minutes i think he's played more than anyone possibly outside of De Gea is erickson which is crazy he's got two I, hearts now hasn't he so yeah, well exactly but i never would have thought that's what would happen however um, you know our starting 11 is quite good now it's quite nailed on and that means that there is depth elsewhere you know there's probably we're probably lacking depth at fullback fair enough particularly at right back and we're probably lacking depth obviously at striker explicitly even though we have quite a lot of cover on the wings but everywhere else you know players who were meant to be squad players now are squad players and that's good you know Fred should be coming on for a 30 minute cameo and starting the odd game McTominay likewise and that will see good out of those players you know Fred came on and was doing wonderfully see as we outside of the boot pass into the box kind of thing um, after he scored his goal I mean it was just yeah, it was magic, it was magical yeah. we're going to take another quick break now and then when we come back we will do any other business and then we've also got a game when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome back to the final part of United Hour. So, quick round of any of our businesses. Um, we did mention, or Com did mention, Jane and Sancho and the issues he's got. I don't want to get too much into it because we don't really know what's going on. And it's, I think it's a bit church to wildly speculate what's going on. But um, we just hope he obviously gets himself sorted out and gets back with the squad and improves what he's worth. Uh, I don't know if anyone any has anything further to say on that currently. We just need Marcus Rashford to smile and teach him how to smile and be happy and then score those goals. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's uh, simple. I wonder yeah, if... Kong just wants everyone to be miserable, as we already discussed. I just wonder if um, 
mentally is he alright purely because you know he's had a massive move to United last season wasn't very good at all he's then found himself out of the England team not being picked for the World Cup wasn't he started playing okay for us like obviously you want much better than that but I still mean even the game against Liverpool and just after that he was playing okay and contributing and, and scoring but I don't know I, I, I just wonder if Th- th- if there's a problem there where there's too much pressure on him and as you say I, I don't your... see I don't see motivation and and that can come from lots of things it's not just that doesn't mean yeah. he's lazy or he's not bothered it, no, it might be those things but it can also be other yeah. things well no it might be those things you know it's fair enough some people will sometimes just have a bad attitude you know there is usually always a reason but sometimes it's just you know they've got themselves into that position maybe the move isn't working out how he wanted maybe he thinks he should be at a better club maybe he thinks we should be higher on the table maybe he thinks we should be playing better football, providing different chances for him, putting him in different positions. Maybe he's just not happy. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe a million things could be a very personal thing, could be mm. anything. And he's still so young. I think he's 22, is he? Is, yeah, is so he's still he very young. As you, you said, know, you're more just He's, he's, he's a right. child. You know, he is, he is a child. Um, so you just have to hope he works through it. And if he doesn't, that the club, you know, make an appropriate decision around that. I mean, someone being away from the squad... You know, I appreciate it's an odd situation where he wasn't travelling with England when he probably felt he could slash should have been. Obviously, previously has very much been in the squad. Um, and then, you know, you're kind of on your own character or whatever. But then to send him away, and it's just, it's it's very odd. It's very odd. So I didn't want to wildly speculate. And then we uh, we spent uh, a good five minutes wildly speculating. So that, that went well. Uh, I've lost all control, everybody. I've lost all control of this podcast. <laughs> So we'll move on to the League Cup. Uh, we got a solid win over Burnley. I can't remember how much we won. I didn't actually watch this game, I confess. Uh, I was at a Christmas do, so there were my priorities. Uh, we won 2-0. 2-0. Brilliant goal by Rashford. Yes. Tremendous. Yes, brilliant goal by Rashford. Oh, yeah, that uh, was a good goal. Ran, yeah. yeah, he ran, ran, was allowed to run the whole length of the pitch for some bizarre reason without anyone deciding to tackle him, and then he just... What lashed into the corner because he was smiling, Con, because he was smiling, and that's why he put it yeah, in the corner. So. As he was dribbling, I think he was smiling, and that was the key. Even though he got a bit lucky with one of the dribbles, the finish was then excellent. And really, that's what you want. Like Rashford running in the space is going to be a good Rashford, you know? So, um, and smiling. Yeah. Um, and then we have in the next round of the cup, Charlton. Yeah, that's right. Home, isn't it, as well? At home. Yeah, so, a nice favourable draw given to us by Mary Earps. Don't know how Mary Earps is allowed to draw us out a name out of a hat, but nice one, Mary. So, we should hopefully be looking at a League Cup semi-final and potentially a League Cup final. Um, a trophy we should be going for that now. Now we're in these last stages, I think we really should be trying to win it. Um, yeah. Obviously, it depends who you get in the semi-final. You get to sit in the semi-final, you go out fair enough, but we can give them a game. So, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Um Next up is Wolves and then Bournemouth shortly afterwards. Uh, Wolves away. They've just got their new manager in charge. Uh, they drew one all against Everton this weekend. No, they beat them. Oh, did they beat them? Yeah, yeah they won in minute. the 95th minute. Oh. They scored the one. Well, they, that, that's what happens when you uh, look at the 90-minute 90, 90 scores and think, ah, that's, that's that game done. Uh, <laughs> Frank, Lampard enough, so the... Frank Lampard still has a job. If he has a new job by the new year, I will be impressed. Um. He the man has many lives and many friends in the media. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Wolves mm. won coming off the back of a win on the uh, new manager. So they'll be a different proposition. Uh, bad times play them. If we'd only played them before, the World Cup probably been a bit better. But I mean, games against Wolves, I just have memories of that time we played them like four games in a row. And it was nil nil every single time, yeah. and it was uh, awesome. a nightmare. It's uh, giving me flashbacks already. But hopefully this game won't be so bad because we're actually a decent team now and hopefully we'll play some nice football. Hopefully they'll want to show some stuff in front of their fans. It'll be their first home game for the manager, won't it? Uh, yeah, that's Could right, be. yeah. It will be, yeah. Because that was his first game against Everton, yeah. So that'll be his first home game, yeah. Yeah, so you imagine they'll be up for it. And we already had the new manager bounce with Emery came along with Villa, which is a bit irritating. So difficult game, but uh, what? how do you see this one going, Jamie? Um... I kind of only caught the highlights of the Wolves game and to be honest, Everton, I thought Everton played alright and probably should have at least had a draw at the game. Wolves created some stuff, not a great deal. Uh, the two goals were well worked, that's what I will say. Um, quite a good bit of craft in both goals, some good passing. And I would need to 
What's the word I'm looking for? I would need to look to other people who know more about Lopetegui than me. But I do know he is a good manager. Um, he had a kind of raw deal over the whole Real Madrid-Spain thing. But he is a good manager. And I think he is actually who they wanted when this whole thing started. Where, you know, when Mendes went in, I think they wanted him back then. So they finally have got their man. I think they will be a bit more on the front foot. Look to attack a bit more. But as you say, I just have so much kind of... PTSD of previous Wolves games where you sit there for 90 minutes and nothing really happens. Um, so I'm just hoping it's a decent game for a change more than anything because these games against Wolves do tend to be quite a bit of a slog. But as you said, mm. hopefully they're up for it and kind of go for it a little bit with the new manager there and that would suit us and it would allow us to play a bit more of an open game. Obviously, the, the the race for the top four is, is quite tight at the moment. Liverpool are right behind us, though. We've got a game in hand on them. If we win that game in hand, we'll be four points clear. We are a point behind Spurs. Uh, Newcastle, I think we're a couple points behind Newcastle, but again, we've got games in hand over them. So it's all pretty tight at the top, and you kind of got to keep winning to just to keep yeah. pace, really. Um, Colm, will you be disappointed with anything other than a win? Yeah, hugely, uh, really hugely. I think it's a must win. I think it should be a comfortable win. I think there is a bit of the Unai Emery, bad timing, bad juju about this game, I agree, um, which we seem to find um, with unerring reliability. In terms of any time a team gets sacked, you can nearly guarantee their next game is going to be against United, but I still think Wolves are kind of at the end of their cycle with that team a little bit. Um, it's aged, it's ran out of form, it's kind of lost a little bit of its identity and its identity was to make those games as difficult as possible to kind of really be as good in possession as we are and work extremely hard. So I'm hoping that we will take advantage. I mean, they're they're nearly bottom of the table, do you know what I mean? So it should be good. I think we will, we just have enough about us defensively now and controlled from Casemiro and Eriksen that we should we should do enough and as long as the, the front players do the business I, I don't really see there being a huge issue and yeah I think you know I'm very lasered on the top four now and I think I've set that as kind of like a really bare minimum goal for me at this point of the season with the team we have and how other teams are doing you know I don't think we should be accepting or overly forgiving of Eric Ten Hag if we don't secure top four. That's not me saying he should be sacked if he doesn't get top four by any stretch of the imagination, but I think we should absolutely be holding him and the team to account um, with top four this year because it's it's, it's it should be achievable. Mm. It's a competitive field, though, as I said. So Yeah, but like with who? Do you with know you, what I mean? I should... appreciate like Newcastle are good. Do you know what I mean? Spurs are not good. Liverpool are probably the one to watch out for alongside possibly Chelsea if they get their act here. But like we're in prime position. You know, we have the game in hand mm. on Spurs who drop points earlier in the week. Newcastle, you would hope, will fall off at some point. I appreciate they're doing extremely well. Um, but like I just think we're 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 our team is as good as those teams, if not better. Yeah. Um I'm with you on that. I feel like we really should be looking at top five if we don't it's a disappointment. But if we win something, I'll uh negate that disappointment by us actually winning something, especially if it's the Europa League, then we get into the Champions League anyway. So, yeah. uh, Jamie, you, are you same as Colm? Top four or disappointment? Yeah, at this stage, definitely, because we're playing well. We have good players. Um, we seem a bit more streetwise as well. Um, I don't know if adding Casemiro in has brought a lot of that in, but we do seem a bit more wise to... I just thought we like under Ollie, for example. I just thought we could we could get bullied out of games, you know. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. I think I think we're we're a lot more physical. We're a lot more solid in terms of we don't really give many chances away when the back four's fit. So hopefully soon, yeah, we're back to Shaw, Martinez, Varane, and Dalot as the back four. And with Casemiro sitting in front of them, I don't see many many chances being given away against many teams. And I just, the only the only the only thing for me is I think two of the four of the top four are already set. I do think City obviously will be whatever position they're in will finish in the top four. I also think Arsenal, because as much as they lost Jesus, I thought they were very good against West Ham the other night and have been good for most of the season. So I think they'll make the top four as well. 
And then, as you said, Imran, there's a lot of competition, so there's only two positions left. But really, yeah, we should be nailing down one of them. Mm. That should start with a win against Wolves. And uh, we, I know we're all a bit worried about the new manager bounce um, that, that Villa had, but luckily there won't be Anthony Taylor referee in that game, uh, so we won't have to have a 15-yard wall. Uh, yeah. Uh, just a, the, the, the story this week that the referee groups admitted that he managed to place a wall wrong. Which, mm-hmm. I don't know how you place a wall wrong. I really don't. But that makes you feel better, though, doesn't it? That they got it yeah. wrong. They made it. That makes you feel better, doesn't it, about it? About losing that game 3 1. It makes you feel all the way better. Anyway, that's enough of that. Um, now you're in for a treat, ladies and gentlemen, because it's not my stupid game. No, no, no. It's Jamie's stupid game. Absolutely. A wonderful game of football in which Manchester United have won convincingly, but it was a breathtaking match. Absolutely brilliant. Shocking. I am. I am disgusted with it. Yes, so I'm, I'm going to hand it over to our brilliant host, Jamie. Thank you very much, Imran. Welcome, everyone. And yes, I'm going to host this edition of Imran slash Jamie's Stupid Game. So to begin, I do actually have a coin that I got when I was at the stadium tour of Old Trafford. And on one side, we have the Man United crest. And on the other side, we have a little diagram of Old Trafford column with your name beginning with C. And as it is alphabetical order, which side do you want to select for the toying cost? Give me the Old Trafford diagram, please. Okay, and here we go. And it landed on the crest. So, Imran, would you like to go first or second? As this is a penalty shootout, you should always go first. Okay, no bother. Right. Here is the format. Far too much more to come. (laughs) (laughs) So, ten questions. And since you're going to go first, Imran, we'll let you go first. And at the end, if needed, we do have a tiebreaker question. So... Here we go. Also, just to add, if you do get the question wrong, I will pass over to the other player to see if they can get it right and get the point. So, here we go. Imran. Question one. In what year was the club, known as Newton Heath LYR, believed to have been established? 1887? That's very, very close. Uh, Colm, do you want to advance on that? Oh, okay, so it's close. 18... Uh, 1880. Ooh, I'm afraid you're both wrong. It's 1878. You just got it the wrong way around, Imran. Yeah, I did. Damn it. <sighs> yeah. Oh, very close. Right. Close, closest Tom. wins the point, though? Or no? No, no, no. We're ruthless here. No. Is it now the time to announce my uh, dyslexia? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Colm, question two. What did the LYR stand for, referring to the industry from which the club existed? Uh, I know it's it's a train thing, uh, the railway. Um, um, L-Y, Lang- uh, Lancashire, uh, real, Southern Railway, yeah, Lancashire and Yorkshire Railway. Well done. Yes! One point to Colm. I was going to end up York. You like a shirt in York? Thank God. <laughs> nah, good shot, good shot. Right, Imran. The Man United manager's role, taken up in 1945, was Matt Busby's third in management, having already managed City and Liverpool. Is that true or is it false? That is false. Well done. That was his first managerial appointment at Man United, yeah. and he actually only played for City and for Liverpool. So, well done, Imran. That's one each so far. Colm, what was significant about the first home game of the 1949-50 season when Man United beat Bolton 3-0 at home? Uh, 1949-50? Um, I have no idea. I have no clue. Imran, do you want to take a punt at that? First game at Old Trafford? I'll give you that. It was the first game back what? at Old Trafford since the end of World War Two. Yeah. But, yeah. Ah, I was going to say something about a warrior thing. God. Yeah. Ooh, he's turned it round. He's turned it round, ladies and gentlemen. 
pressure's back on you now, Colm. How old mm. is it? No, it's Imran, beg your pardon. Imran. It's me, yeah, come on. How old was George Best when he made his debut in 1963? 17. Oof, he's on fire. 17 indeed. Right, Colm, you need this one. Yeah. And for this, I will accept either the club or the player. The first ever goal in the Premier League era was scored against Man United. Can you oh. tell me the player or the club? Um, was it was it Sheffield Wednesday? I'm going to have to pass over to Imran. Can you get it? It's, it's Brian Dean and Sheffield United. Oh, well done. Oh. Very a, a well game, done. A game I was at, by the way. Yeah. You were at that game? How old you? Yeah, it was a game I was at. In wow. the, I, I would have been six. Uh, five, shit. six. I was, I was actually in the Sheffield United end as well. Wow! In, in a full that. United kit. Beat up a six-year-old. No way! Right, pressure really is on because by my count, that's four-one to Imran. Yeah. Right, back over to you, Imran. Which player became the most expensive in British football history when he signed for United in July nineteen ninety-three? Yeah, uh, Roy Keane. Yeah, it was Roy Keane. Well done. I mean, Imran's getting a lot easier questions here, I feel. He's also I mean, yeah. <laughs> correctly answering my questions, to be fair. But, you know, I also absolutely give him the assist on Sheffield Wednesday, although given he was there, it seems like he knew that one. But <laughs> I, did, I did know that one, yeah. Right, I think you'll get this one, though, Colm. Which United youngster moved to Newcastle in a part exchange when United signed Andy Cole? I don't know. I have no idea. Come on, Carl. You you know this. Hey, come on. I feel like I will know it as soon as you say it, yeah? No, I haven't got a clue. I don't know. I feel like I've got to know as soon as you say it. I'm going to have to pass to him, Ron. Keith Gillespie. Yes, it oh, was Keith oh, Gillespie. Oh, that's so bad for me. Oh, Keith. Keith, Parky. Keith. Keith. <laughs> well, he's 5-1 in front, so... That's it as far as Game it goes, over. but let's just finish it off. So, Imran, United began the 1998 6 1, beg your pardon. Yes, you're right, Com. I was trying to help you out there, but <laughs> yeah, if you want to get beat by another one, that's fine. Um, yes, so, Imran, United began the 1998 1999 season at home to Leicester City. Beckham dramatically scored in stoppage time to secure the 2 2 draw, but can you tell me which player? had earlier half the deficit. Nicky Butt? I'll need to pass the call. Dwight York? It was Teddy Sheringham. Oh, <sighs> did he score from a corner where we let it back to the edge of the box? No, <laughs> actually it was a set piece. I remember it was uh, Beckham put a cross in and I actually thought Beckham scored initially but it took a slight one of those, you know, Chikorito style headers from Sheringham into the far corner. Right, to finish his off column. A vital 4-2 win at Everton in the 06-07 season helped, helped move United closer to the league title. In that game, we had an own goal from Phil Neville, John O'Shea and Wayne Rooney put United 3-2 up. Can you tell me who scored the fourth? Um, 06-07? Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a youngster, Tom. Yeah, it's a young a youngster. player. Yeah. A young player at that time? Yeah. Yeah, at that time. Uh, I'm going to get my years mixed up. Was it Ronaldo? No, I'll give it over to Imran. Can you get it? Yeah, it was Chris Eagles. Yes, it was indeed. Oh, Chris I Eagles. know this. My goodness. That's obscure. I remember that <laughs> it's, it's, I remember that game. We were losing 2-0 and then uh, we won 4-2. I also remember um, the guy that scored the second goal for Everton was Fernandez, and it was an absolute howitzer of yes. a goal that he scored. It was a very good goal. <laughs> oh, and that, was Ronaldo was that, at the club? He was, was wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was, was, yeah. It was it was one of those games where it was like, if we don't win this, we'll probably... Get... At the beginning of that game, we weren't on course to win the league and then we were losing. And then I think Chelsea were winning at the same time. So yeah, we were going to be basically dislodged. And then we turned it around and they ended up drawing or losing. So yeah, we they basically drew won the Bolton league. the same day we won that game. And ended yeah. up, that helped us win the league, really. All right, so well done, Imran. That's 7-1. Um, I'll have a tiebreaker. Do you want to do the tiebreaker? See who gets yeah. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go on. Okay, so I'll go with Imran since he won, but I'll take a guess from each of you. How many goals did Dennis Law score in his time at Man United? And I'll take the I mean, closest one. 
I mean, it's a bit unfair that I have to go first because Colin's just going to go one, one up on one like of I, 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 I had no clue when Newton Heath had to <laughs> just literally subtract the numbers. Um, so how many goals did Dennis Law score? Yeah. For uh, United? Yeah, for yeah, United. yeah. For United, yeah. 197. What are you going to go, Colm? I don't think it's that many. Um, uh, well, I'll go for 196 then. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone closest. He actually scored 237 goals in Oof, 449 go. games at Man United, which, if you're not watching Ronaldo or Messi, is a remarkable kind of return. That's wild. So, That's a huge number. That is wild. There you go. So, yeah, that was my edition of Imran's Stupid Game. You can let us know how you got on with those questions. And depending on good questions. Yeah, they were tough, was. but good questions. It, it, it was nice. handy that Imran was personally at every single game and event that you made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. I, it, this is how I should. Chris Eagles is actually my cousin. Uh, <laughs> I should, uh, <laughs> Dreadful. Dumb and dumber, I'd call them. I thought they were really poor. Thought they were a joke. Really abysmal. Just before we go, this episode was brought to you by footballprizes.co.uk. Yes, our thanks to our sponsors at Football Prizes. Um, they a great place where you can bid on all sorts of things and win all sorts of great prizes, signed memorabilia for sports, including United stuff, other stuff. It's all there. Use the discount code UH10, gets you 10% off anything on the site. Um, it really helps support us and everything we do at the podcast. So please get to footballprizes.co.uk and start bidding. Great. I, find, I did that first time, everybody. First time. You'll never know it. Um, that's it from us. We'll probably be back, probably not after the Wolves game, probably after the Bournemouth game after New Year's. So everyone at United Hour, have a happy new year, and we'll see you in 2023. I hope it's a great new year for you all. Uh, say happy new year, you two. Happy new year. Happy new year, troops. My bathwater's getting absolutely freezing here. United Hour is part of the Sports Social Network, edited by Imran Lahair. And our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please follow us on Twitter, United underscore hour, or email us at unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.